All right, welcome to the Life Science Rundown. This is Nick Katman with the FDA Group. Uh, before we jump into our discussion for today, just a little bit about the FDA Group. We help life science companies in the areas of quality assurance, regulatory affairs, clinical operations, commissioning, qualification, and validation, as well as manufacturing and engineering. We offer three engagement models, which are consulting projects, staff augmentation, and full-time employee recruitment. So if you ever find yourself in need, uh, just head over to the fdagroup.com and check us out and get in touch. So today, I'm speaking with Tobias uh, Kuners of Kenders, if I pronounced that correctly. And uh, we're going to be talking about a paper he wrote uh, titled Quality Management Review Benchmarking Quantitatively. So I had a, an opportunity to catch the paper that you wrote um on linkedin and i read it and as is typically the case with these podcasts or vlogs whatever uh terminology people prefer um in the back of my mind i said this is cool and and that's the trigger for me to want to have a conversation and explore the content uh a, a bit more deeply so with that said thanks for for hopping on and joining me and um, maybe to get started, do you want to just kind of introduce yourself and then we can transition into, you know, what you wrote and what your thoughts are? Very good. So, so like you said, my name is Tobias Kunders of Kunders. Uh, I'm a Dutch resident uh, living in Europe and uh, been working as an independent self-employed consultant for like the last 10 years, working in pharma industry for over 20 years and have worked on the uh, operational Side, uh, most of the time and uh, now we're being consulted also working as a, a QA rep and, and making sure that the organizations follow uh, current regulations. Excellent. So let's start at a high level. Um, why don't you tell uh, the audience a little bit about the paper you wrote? What was uh, the inspiration? What did you learn as you were writing it? Yeah, so the QMR, Quality Management Review, is a, a requirement that uh, pharma companies have to uh, host a meeting more or less every month in which they uh, look at uh, all the quality metrics in the organization and um, make sure that uh, they stay current with uh, uh, reducing the number of uh, deviations and, and kappas that they have and make sure that uh, they are um, addressed and closed out uh, timely and, and don't affect uh, the patient safety or the product quality. And um, what I've seen over the years is that uh, it's always a challenge in these meetings uh, to keep enough focus and uh, to really address the issues at hand. So uh, in a lot of situations, uh, people will just talk about the metrics. So uh, this many deviations were added last month and these many were closed so many kappas were opened and so many were closed um, and then uh, the meeting is uh, typically adjourned to next time and, and people have too little uh, time to dive into the, the real matters that are uh, in, in need of discussion for for instance uh, support from senior management uh, or projects that need to be initiated in order to resolve issues uh, that are there in manufacturing or in facilities, in QC or what have you. And um, my paper uh, provides an angle 
of looking at it more quantitatively. So bringing the finance department in there and setting up metrics where you make a, a percolation basically from a senior level uh, high up. Uh, for instance, something like the uh, return on, uh, on uh, stock. Uh, and all the way to the bottom where you say uh, the amount of uh, water consumption in rinsing uh, for the operator at the machine and how they relate to each other, explain that to people and make it possible that uh, you have uh, leading indicators at the shop floor and, and lagging indicators at, at senior management level. Mm -hmm. How many companies do you think uh, utilize your philosophy in one way, shape or form? And how many do you think don't? Um, well, in, in numbers, I'm not sure that I could mention one, but in percentage, it's a small percentage. It's like a, a quarter of the organizations that really do that. Uh, most of them are, are led by the quality department uh, and they invite all the uh, support departments like manufacturing, like facilities, like supply chain, logistics, distribution, those kind of departments. And they all uh, share um, their deviations, kappas, and, and also relationships between them. But very rarely do you see them uh, in, in that they bring in financial metrics where they say, this deviation is costing us uh, 15,000 or 5,000 euros or, or dollars uh, to resolve. And uh, the sooner we do that, uh, the less cost we have in the process. Yeah. One of the things that I shared in the article, for instance, is that if you take a batch record review, uh, everybody has that. Um, typically, there's metrics around that uh, of how much time it can take within the QA department to review the document. But in order for QA to properly review that, they have to get a, a pristine document where there's no uh, voids, where there's no mistakes, where all the signatures have been put in. And, and very often you see that manufacturing, because of the uh, speed of work that they are at, um, fail to fill out the document completely. And it has to go back and forth between manufacturing and QA one, two or three times. And there you lose um, uh, lag time uh, to complete the document. The finance department, on the other hand, is waiting for the batch record to be signed off by the QP, by the qualified person, so that they can invoice, for instance, to their customers if they're a CMO. And, and this is precisely where all the departments uh, see the benefit of working together properly and helping each other uh, in uh, being efficient and effective in, in the document, document process. It seems like the primary reason that more companies aren't taking this approach is a lack of time. Is that correct? Or a perceived lack of time? I would say perceived lack of time because nowadays with um, um, the internet of things and, and computer, computerization and digitization, uh, most or all the companies have some sort of an ERP and, and uh, enterprise resource uh, program in which they track all these uh, data and, and all these numbers. Uh, and setting it up uh, will take you a little bit of time because you have to design your metrics, agree uh, the way that you calculate it and, and make sure that people get the data in time in order to make the measurements. Uh, but once set up, uh, it's more or less the click of a button 
in order to make uh, a summary statement. And, and then you can assess them within your team and within your department. You can come up to the QMR once a month and you can present your situation. And you can also demonstrate where you're saving money for the organization uh, or where uh, the, the lack of decision-making in the QMR may uh, in, in fact cost the organization uh, money for, for the, the fact that they do not take a decision. Yeah. For those that are listening, um, for, I, I have three thoughts. First, who needs to hear this the most? Second, um, what is the um, one to two statement uh, explanation about why they need to be taking this into serious consideration? And then lastly, how are they going to overcome their perceived lack of time and or other potential objections? Right. So, so th this is typically a topic that has to come uh, top down. So senior management has to really show interest in these uh, numbers, both the qualitative as well as the quantitative numbers. So and, and then they bring in the finance department and all the department heads to uh, design the system and, and that may be an, an iterative process that will take you two or three sessions and um, uh, why they need to do it well uh, what you often see is that uh, like I mentioned with the batch record review uh, people are prepared to uh, bring the document back and forth between manufacturing and QA to get it completely filled out and properly signed off in order to release it by the QP and have it paid out by uh, uh, the customer. Uh, but they are not willing uh, to invest a little bit more time upfront and, and do like an assessment before they hand it over to QA and say, well, this document now is, is ready for review. It's, it's like having a, a blue hat uh, where you do the coaching and mentoring between the two teams, uh, manufacturing and QA, or where you have the red hat where you do the review and say all what is missing and then send it back and lose uh, unnecessary time. Mm -hmm. Is this something that you believe companies that aren't already implementing something like this can do on their own? Um, or do you think it's something where they could benefit from bringing somebody from the outside in to guide them and help set up the system? I definitely think that uh, it, it would be helpful uh, to bring somebody from the outside for a multitude of reasons. And, and maybe the most important one is that in, in order to implement something like that, you, you need a little bit of coaching and mentoring so that people take the right uh, uh, definitions of certain metrics and that there is a, a hierarchy in the metrics um, that is consistent and, and coherent across the board. So within logistics, within manufacturing, within uh, facilities. Um, and, and at the same time, um, it, it allows you to play the a good guy, bad guy. So you have the outside uh, person that, that does the support be the bad guy of implementing this and, and uh, getting all the uh, agony over, over him or her. Uh, and then uh, the department managers can remain the good guys and, um, and then implement the system as such. What do you think the uh, biggest challenges and hurdles would be to implementing a system like this? And what would be the biggest challenges and hurdles for maintaining a system like this? 
the, the biggest hurdles for implementing this is is trust, obviously. Um, in uh, in other industries, you see something like open book management, where uh, they advocate the system where if you are uh, transparent about uh, all your costs and decisions and why you do as you do, uh, that you run a, a more smooth and a more uh, advantageous uh, business. And, and there also a tr trust is a, a big issue. Um, and, and that's typically here also, because the moment that um, you make clear that a certain deviation or a kappa takes in, in, an amount of time and, and money and, and um, people say, well, I, I don't have the time to do that. Uh, typically, there are being questions why they don't have that uh, and uh, they feel uncomfortable with that. So you have to take away that angle where they say um, it's a person thing instead of a system thing. So if you design the system properly and if you design it with the proper intent, uh, people can deploy it effectively and efficiently and they will like to demonstrate uh, where they're doing good, uh, where they make improvements uh, and how they are contributing uh, positively toward the organization. Um, it's like the human error. Huh? A, a lot of uh, pharma companies have learned over time that uh, human error is typically uh, given by a poor systems design. And um, if you have a, a pit in the road, then you're uh, likely to trip over that. So if you flatten the road, there's no risk of tripping. And that's also in the human behavior. If you uh, allow enough time for people to properly fill out uh, a batch record, uh, the likelihood of filling it out first time right is a lot bigger than when you rush people uh, to quickly hand it over to QA. Yeah. And I think the paper that you wrote was about six to eight pages and we're, we're touching a little bit on the content. Um, before I move on to some of the other questions I had, what are some of the other details of what you wrote that you think um, maybe we have glossed over in the short time we've been speaking that's important for people to know? Well, the, the thing that uh, is important probably to know is that you can do this at a, a site level, uh, you can do this at a divisional level, and you can do this at a global or corporate level. So uh, likewise organizations, um, and, and there's many that have facilities all over the world, um, manufacturing facilities that make same or similar products in different regions of the world, they can compare each other uh, on, on efficiency and, and, and output and, and all those kind of things. Um, so that's the benefit for the organization and, and with the recent uh, pandemic where there's an, a need for regional spread of manufacturing capabilities, this may be a tool that they want to use in order to clarify why it is uh, advantageous uh, to, to produce in uh, the United States and, and in Asia and in Europe and not just bring everything in from uh, one single region. Mm -hmm. So that may be a, a situation where they say, um, and, and within a, a site, you can compare the efficiency of, of like the facilities and maintenance department with the logistics department, uh, with the QA department and with manufacturing on uh, the, the closeout of deviations or the conclusion on uh, corrective and preventive actions. Mm -hmm. at, at all different levels in, in the, the larger organization or at the facility, you can do it uh, across uh, uh, departmental and across divisional. 
And how, how do companies make that determination? Um, well, if, if you have the uh, executive committee uh, buying into it, typically it's percolated uh, uh, through all the divisions and all the uh, sides. And, and if you have like an enthusiastic regional uh, director, uh, then it's uh, typically done at, at site level. And then when you demonstrate that, uh, other, other organizations uh, within, within the group will, will also uh, buy into the, the system and, and use it. Simply because you also take it away from the, the personal aspect. Eh? You look at certain numbers and you look at improving your system. You're not trying to uh, improve uh, the people, but the improvement of the people is a, is a consequence of the fact that you streamline your system processes. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if you have a pit in the hole, in the street and you trip over it and you fix the hole, then people don't trip and they, they move on faster. Right. Um, and you mentioned this should really come from the top down. Um, so the one question I would imagine is, that would come is all right if i'm going to invest in this you know what what what's the give and take what am i giving up when i decide to invest in um this and um pass it on throughout the different departments and divisions in my company well i'm not sure that you're giving uh, up something, I think you're gaining a lot because you gain um, uh, transparency throughout the organization. Um, you you become to discuss uh, systems improvement that uh, lead to uh, cost reductions or, or waste reduction in, in a number of situations. Um, and that frees up time that you can then invest in uh, uh, quality or, or new products or those kind of things and um, with the scrutiny of the society on cost reduction for uh, drugs in, in general uh, that's something that you need to be prepared for so that you can uh, absorb those cost reductions or those revenue reductions and still be profitable going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah and so I, I can imagine the audience listening and saying, well, yeah, this, this makes a lot of sense. I, I can see the benefits um, to an extent, but I know I'm going to have to bring somebody in and I'm going to have to pay their hourly rate and it is going to take up time and resources. So can you paint a picture, a before and after picture of what a company might look like, generally speaking, in terms of quality and cost expenditures? prior versus quality and cost savings after? Well, um, I, I've done that a little bit in, in the article that I wrote where I provided a, a table and, and where I demonstrated, and, and this is a real life situation that I managed many years ago, uh, where they had a lot of waste reduction uh, due to the fact that they trained the people and uh, we came to recognize that because we set up the, the metrics in order to manage the organization. And, and if you look at any organization today, they have some degree of metrics already 
in order to guide uh, the organization because you have a, a volume of manufacturing and therefore you need a team of people to do that and uh, the only thing that you need to do there is you you need to uh, standardize it and you uh, need to formalize it and uh, by doing so you start to talk about the certain uh, topics that are relevant for improving those numbers so um, of course it, it would be the, the best solution to bring in uh, external resources but i can also see with the larger organization where uh, they would bring in a, a corporate team that would do like a round robin uh, exercise where they bring the standardized way of working from one side to the next uh, and and they could implement that uh, in a matter of uh, well i would say within a quarter they could implement that where you have different levels of um, uh, ownership. Uh, so the, there's nothing to begin with, and, and then you start designing it, and, and people take ownership of those metrics, and they take them over from yourself as teacher and, and trainer, and then they, they uh, enhance it even. And, and then you can move on to the next uh, facility, and, and you will see that there is a... Um, an effect that if, if one organization demonstrates a good progress there in terms of making less errors, having to do less rework and those kind of things, that other facilities will say, well, we want that too. Uh, because there's, there's no employee in, in any organization that wants to do the, the same task twice because the first time they failed. So if they get tools and systems that help them to do it first time right, everybody likes that. Uh, the, the pitfall that you have is that with these kinds of improvement processes, uh, they're often uh, recognized as a way of uh, headcount reduction. And uh, the moment that you start using it as a headcount reduction, uh, people will sense that very early on already, and they will uh, be less cooperative in implementing such a system because they fear the jobs. So that's a human uh, behavior that you have to be mindful of. And the moment that you implement it and you see it as a system enhancement that allows people uh, to, to go home early uh, or to have uh, focus on, on new products or on better quality, people will definitely participate and enjoy that. Mm, that's a good point. So framing this is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What else would you add to that? What else would I add to that? Well, um, like you said, uh, typically senior management or executive management, they want to uh, see a, a timeline for that. And um, th there's real simple tools and techniques uh, to demonstrate uh, if you have nothing and, and are at the zero level or when you have five and, and people have taken ownership. And, and with the teams that you work with, you can agree over a time frame of like uh, 10 weeks or 12 weeks uh, to go from uh, stage zero to stage five uh, and, and present that to uh, executive management so that they have a sense that things are in control and that they uh, will see the benefits of that. And then um, when, when people really work on that and, and for themselves recognize that they are doing a batch record review first time right and, and the uh, lapse time for, for turning around a batch record reduces from like five days to three hours, uh, they do like that a lot um, and the, the time that they free up they can focus on uh, the issues at hand which which there are plenty and, and many um, and, and yeah that gives a fulfillment to their jobs uh, and a variety uh, to the jobs uh, which will motivate them even stronger. 
Good point. Well, similar to your article, um, your explanation has been well delivered. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's easy to understand the benefits. And um, while there is some time that needs to be invested uh, and resources that need to be invested in order to get um, to uh, this place, um, uh, you know, the obvious benefits outweigh the, the investment. Um, so with that, wh what would you like to leave the audience with? What are um, a couple, you know, final points of, of mention? Well, the, the, maybe the, 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 the real final point that I would like to make is that if, if you look at uh, the FDA, but also the EMA, uh, the European uh, counterpart, um, they are driving uh, the industry to quality metrics reporting uh, to reduce the uh, inspection burden on the organization. Um, and, and this is a, a great uh, way forward to design your own metrics and demonstrate firstly to yourself and secondly to external parties um, that you have all of your uh, quality metrics under control. Um, and that's both for the FDA and the, the qualitative part, and it may be for your investment, uh, the, the quantitative part, uh, which will benefit. So um, you, you can wait by doing it, but um, uh, in due time, some kind of, of system needs to be in place that will uh, provide these qualitative and quantitative metrics uh, that industry needs in order to satisfy the stakeholders. Yeah. Excellent. Well, <clears throat> thank you very much for that. Um, that was super, super helpful. Um, and, and I'm sure, um, you know, the audience really appreciated, um, you know, your explanation. So thank you for that. Um, so as always, if you find conversations like this valuable, please share it with a colleague or your professional network if you haven't already. Subscribe to get updates of new episodes at the FDA group.com slash podcast and follow the FDA group on LinkedIn. If you'd like to connect about project or resource needs, head over to the FDA group.com to get in touch or feel free to connect with me personally on LinkedIn. So thanks so much for tuning in and we will see you next time.